Amen. All right, check it out. It seemed like just an average, ordinary experience in this agricultural country. I mean, the farmers, obviously, they planted their crops, and, and people wove their wares, and the, the herdsmen, they took care of the flocks. And I mean, everything seemed just fine in this agrarian society until the communists came in. Yeah, and then over the next three years, due to their poor mishandling of natural disasters and failed government policies and human mismanagement, listen, millions of people wasted away, millions. They wasted away like piles of dried twigs. First, it began with the food shortages, and, and then came the rations, and then came full-blown starvation. People actually began to seek, listen to this true story, actually began to seek alternative food sources like grass, sawdust, leather, even seeds sifted from animal manure. In fact, thousands of people were forced to eat dirt, dogs, cats, rats, mice, even insects were eaten, all dead or light, until there was literally no more. Even the bark was stripped from the trees and eaten. But, but that's when the malnutrition set in, which led to the bodies begin to swell, the birth rates, a plummeted, mental illness and hysteria skyrocketed, and suicide became commonplace. Millions of people chose to kill themselves rather than having to face another horrible day in this wasteland. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, many people even resorted to cannibalism. Nobody knows the, the full extent, but there's thousands of accounts of people actually eating human flesh, listen, even exhuming the corpses of their neighbors just to eat them, just to survive. Quote, the zombie apocalypse became the reality. And when all was said and done, 47 million people died. A horrible, gruesome death. It became the worst man-made disaster in history. The year was 1958 to 1961, not that long ago. The uh, disaster, of course, is the Great Chinese Famine. Wow, after the communists came in. Now, folks, how many guys ever heard of the Great Chinese Famine, right? A couple of you, okay? And I think we could all agree, just based on the context there, that's one of the worst disasters of all kind, right? Of all time, right? But again, what if you guys, uh, what if I were to tell you, I know of a disaster that makes the Chinese Famine uh, look like a child's stomachache, with all due respect. Okay, and folks, what if I were to tell you this disaster didn't occur at one place at one country at one time, but it's going on right now today all over the world, and it's been leaving a trail of death and destruction for centuries. Once again, we are talking about the satanic war on the Christian. And again, the facts are this. We Christians, we don't battle here once in a while, right? Are you kidding me? We go to war every single day, right? Whether you see it, feel it, believe it or not, the moment you got saved, Christian, praise God, you got transferred from darkness into light. But guess what? You just stepped into the battlefield. And whether you see it, feel it, believe it or not, the moment you got saved, listen, there is against an actual demonic host whose sole purpose every day out to get you is to extinguish your effectiveness for Jesus Christ. It's real. Now, praise God, we don't have to be afraid, but we need to understand how do we stand victorious in that battle. So in order for you and I to stop getting duped and beat up all over the place, unnecessarily so, because it doesn't have to be that way. Okay, as we're seeing from the scripture, we're going to continue our study, the satanic war on the Christian. Now, we've already seen contextually, hey, if you're going to win a war, what's the first thing you got to do? You got to know who your enemy is. Okay, this is real. This is not make-believe, right? It's not extremism. Preachers trying to scare you for your money, all that baloney. No, it's real, right? The second thing, you need to know what your enemy is like. The third thing, the tactic of your enemy. The fourth thing, the destruction of your enemy. The fifth thing we saw, the temptation of your enemy. And the last six times, praise God, the sixth thing was what? God has not left us hanging high and dry. He's given us protection, praise God, from the enemy, right? Hello, God's good. He's good, loving. He's, we belong to him. He has not left us hanging high and dry in this daily spiritual warfare that we go through and we've been seeing he's given us something called his armor his mighty strength and also his armor to stand firm we've seen the first thing about that armor it was designed for war number two it was designed for victory and then the third thing we saw it's designed to what 
It's designed to wear. You put the thing on, right? You don't stare at it. You don't look at it. You don't get lost in the symbolism and just, well, I'm just sure. And you have no idea what it means. You need to understand what it is and what does the scripture say. You don't just need to put it on. You need to what? Put it on now. In fact, you need to put all of it on because every single piece is needed if... How many guys want this? How many guys would like to have God's victory every single time, 100% of the time, when the enemy comes your way? That's what our good and loving Father has done. He's given us something called His armor. You just put it on, all of it, have a great day. And so that's why we don't want to miss this, man. This is a major uh, mega blessing from God. Now, we've already seen that first piece we're to put on was the belt of truth. What was the belt of truth, remember? Praise God, all two of you. Glad you don't have to re-preach that one, right? <laughs> it's the Bible, right? We broke it down contextually. What are you saying? The belt of truth, right? You don't go buy it out in Walmart. It's not some plastic Superman, right? It's the Bible. He's basically saying, according to the scripture, get the Bible on every day, right? The Bible keeps it all together. We're going to see that again today. So number one, get the Bible on, right? Number one. Number two, he also saw the breastplate of righteousness. What was that? That's every day when you get out of bed, you have to make a conscious decision. I want to be an instrument of righteousness, not of wickedness. And the weapon that's used there is the word weapon in the Greek. Paul's basically saying every day you need to make a conscious choice, not just to get into the word of God. You need to say, God, use me as your weapon. I don't want to be a weapon for Satan. And that's what our bodies become if we don't take that serious. That was number two. Now, last time we saw the third one is what? The shoes of peace, okay? And just like with the belt, just like with the breastplate, we saw that the shoes, obviously they're not literal shoes that you go out and buy, but it was symbolic of a spiritual truth. And that spiritual truth is this, that we have peace with God. This is what you need to put on every single day, Christian, that we have peace with God. We need to acknowledge, we need to put on, nobody can do it for you. You put on the scriptural truth that not just some, but every single one of our sins have been totally forgiven, totally obliterated. Praise God, remember no more. Isn't that awesome? Why? Because as we saw in contextually, sometimes there's times when you got a crack in your breastplate of righteousness. Sometimes you take it off. Sometimes you do sin, Christian, you blow it. So guess what? You put the praise God, the truth on that God has forgiven me of that sin because the enemy's going to come in and he's going to say, you might as well quit. You're a failure. You're a loser. When God says, "Uh uh-uh, I've forgiven you. What sin are you talking about? Stand up and keep fighting for Jesus. That's the shoes. Now we get to, believe it or not, the fourth one, okay? That was the shoes of peace, okay? It keeps us from stumbling, right? It gives us great traction. And again, like with everything else, it can only be put on by me. But let's take now a look at the fourth one. The fourth one is simply called the shield of faith. I love that graphic. The shield of faith. Because he's coming at you, man, every single day with these flaming arrows, man. Every day, right? Have you paid attention to your thought life, Christian? Man, He's always zinging things at you, right? But praise God, again, he hasn't left us hanging high and dry. He's given us this thing called the shield of faith, right? And listen to how many arrows that the enemy zings at you that this thing will extinguish. It rhymes with all. But don't take my word for it. Open the Bibles to Ephesians 6. Let's go back to that passage. What is God talking about now with this shield of faith? Let's break it down so we understand practically how do we utilize this piece of equipment? Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verses 10. As you can see there through 16, let's go ahead and stand as we read God's holy word. Right? But here's what he says, Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in who? In the Lord and in his mighty power. Well, how do you do that? You do that by putting on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And here's the reality every day. For our struggle, wake up, man. It's, this isn't just flesh and blood. 
right? Sometimes it's supernatural. It's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, not some of it, all of it, so that when, not if, the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to what? Stand. Well, how do I do that? Well, he breaks it down. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Get into the word of God. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness is place every day. Did you make that conscious decision today, Christian, when you got out of bed? Today is a day for Jesus Christ. Today, God used this life as an instrument of righteousness. If you didn't do it, you didn't put the breastplate on. You need to do that, number two. Number three, you need to have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Praise God, all of our sins are forgiven. Now, he says the next one, in addition to all this, what do you do? Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish how many? Listen, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Isn't that awesome? You may be seated if you can, right? But as we can see here, man, this is, I mean, this blows me away, man. Not some, not a few, not a high percentage, all of the evil ones, flaming arrows coming our way. This is basically, again, the fourth piece of supernatural military equipment that God gives us. He hasn't left us hanging high and dry to effectively struggle and come out on top. When, not if, the enemy comes. This is the fourth piece he gives us to stand our ground. We don't have to go backwards. We don't have to slip. We don't have to fall. We don't have to buckle on the pressure. God gives us this so we can stand firm in Christ every single day, no matter what the enemy throws at us. And it's the fourth piece called the shield of faith. So that's the common sense question. What in the world is the shield of faith? Let's try that again. You guys are starting to get there. What in the world is the shield of faith? Well, hey, I'm glad you asked. It works well with my notes. Let's take a look at that, right? Uh, and we're going to see again, contextually, how do you find out? The Bible interprets itself. Did you know that? That's a general biblical interpretation. Not, who cares what you think or I think? What does the Bible say? And we're going to do that by taking a look again at a Roman soldier's uniform and the weaponry because we know that Paul is using that to speak of a spiritual reality. It's called an analogy. It's symbolic of something. So let's take a look at what the shield was for the Roman soldier so we can catch what God is trying to tell us spiritually. And the first thing we're going to see is this wasn't a small shield. This was a big shield. <laughs> okay. And because it was a big shield, what's it do? It protects the whole body. Sometimes the Christian artwork will get it wrong. They'll show this like little round shield and the guy's doing this. Oh, uh -uh. this baby was the size of a door. Let's take a look at it. A Roman soldier's shield there, you can see a picture of it called the thuros. It's derived from the root word thura, which literally means door. It was literally a door, right? In fact, some variants of it, it just looked like a big giant rectangular door. And now equipped with this size of a shield, the Roman soldier was well suited for the tactical needs of the day. Border defense, skirmishes, aerial attack. It didn't matter because this guy had a door guarding his whole body, okay? As you can see there, look at that thing. It's rectangular shape, about two and a half feet wide, four feet long. It protected the full body of the soldier. Do you understand that? This was not minor protection. This was full body protection, right? I mean, I mean say, let's say, for instance, we got uh, another contest coming up, another potluck. Let's say once again, unfortunately, I don't know where these people come from, but somebody brings in a chicken dish, you need some protection. You need some full body protection. Because I don't know about you guys, but sometimes people, like, they try to stir it and the juice starts flying. Ah! You don't want no small, you want a thura. 
to do a thorough job. Hey, that's just for you. That's right. But anyway, no, no, this was full body protection. Nothing's getting through this thing. It's awesome. The shield was made of wood. It had a central spine, as you can see there on the backside. It had this metal strip boss around it, okay? Had a hand grip in the middle, right? And it was covered with what? Leather to make it what? Flame retard. Remember, pay attention to what Paul's saying about, it's not just arrows, it's flaming arrows, right? So it was covered with leather to make it flame retard. Now, in fact, before the battle in which the flaming arrows were shot at them, what would the soldiers do? He would wet the leather with water to extinguish the arrows. Pay attention to that. Are you going to miss a major point Paul's trying to get across our heads? So it wasn't just covered in leather to make it flame retardant, right? Because it's wood, it's going to catch on fire. But on top of that, with the leather, he dipped it in the water, Okay, now these flaming darts sometimes obviously were set ablaze because it was an effective weapon, right? Because it's kind of awfully hard to fight when you're, everything's on fire around you, your camp's on fire, or you are on fire, okay? So that's why they use that as a weapon, right? Now, historians tell us that these fire arrows, sometimes they were like a, a bulb full of burning material, and they would hit and go, Psh! and splatter. Some of them, they were just had the stuff around them uh, wrapped in burning material, and then would just start a fire. So, but as you can see, look at that. It, against these flaming arrows, the Roman shield was put up to make a defense. In fact, it was not done in passivity. Listen to this. Paul uses this phrase. It was said of the Roman soldiers that he must take up the shield. What's the phrase that Paul uses? The exact same thing. There's a lot going on here, folks, that we miss if you don't understand. In fact, Roman soldiers would close the ranks in with these shields, as you can see there, holding uh, each of them together side by side, right? So nothing's going to come at the front when each of you are holding your door next to each other, right? So, but not only that, they would also do this classic position here. Then they would make them completely invulnerable, so you'd have the guys hold them over your head. The first one line to line, nothing's coming at front, but nothing's getting you at the top because every, do you see that? That was a classic Roman tactic they used with these shields. This is why they won so effectively, because no matter what it says there, it was invulnerable against arrows and rocks and spears. Nothing can get through. Listen, if everybody worked together and raised their shields at the right time in unity. Now that's a whole nother message I don't have time to get. Right? But let's focus on that individual aspect. It protects the whole body. Paul says if you take up this shield, just like the Roman soldier, the spiritual shield he's talking about, then you can, not, maybe not might, you can extinguish how many? All of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, is that good news or what? <laughs> I mean, even if God said 50% of the time, I'd be happy with that. But I didn't say, what did he say? If you just take this piece, if you understand what it is, if you use it every single day, when they're coming at you, everyone will be extinguished. Isn't that awesome? On top of everything else we've already seen, okay? But notice it wasn't just a shield, okay? It was the shield the size of a door. Huge thing. It, 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 God doesn't give us partial protection. It's full protection, right? But it wasn't just a shield. It was a shield of faith, right? So now he's getting into the symbolism, shield of faith, right? Faith is the Greek word pistis. Now it literally means this, a conviction of the truth, i.e. God's truth, as we saw before, not your truth, not your opinion, not society's truth, not man's truth, God's truth. Your conviction, your faith is in God's truth. You have a belief or confidence in God. In other words, to break it down even more, faith is simply trusting or taking God at his word. You understand that? When we say that we have faith in Jesus, we're saying, I take him at his word and what he says. Faith in God is literally saying, I trust what he says about my situation. I trust what he says about salvation. That's how I get saved. 
And what he said about Jesus being the only way to heaven, that it's only his cross that gets me there. It's only his work on the cross that forgives me and cleanses me of all my sin. I have faith in that. I trust what he said. I trust God, not of just my salvation, my situation. I trust in what he says about my circumstances, my needs, my hopes, my dreams. And in this case, I trust what God says to do in regards to spiritual warfare. It's not just the shield. It's the shield of faith. And Paul says when you put the shield of faith, trusting God in action, what he says in regards to spiritual warfare, when the enemy comes your way, every single one of these flaming arrows from the enemy that's trying to burn you alive, Christian, will be extinguished. Everyone. In other words, one guy, he puts it, it makes us Christian, do you realize this, invincible. One guy puts it this way. He says, the Christian soldier's shield, say that five times fast. The Christian soldier's shield is simply faith, right? And it's faith in God's trustworthy word. It's faith in God, not us, right? And it's also faith in the one who is named faithful and true, obviously Jesus Christ. Such a faith is firmly grounded on the rock. It provides a sure defense against the fiery missiles of the evil one and his evil minions that are daily coming at us designed to set us on fire spiritually, to hurt, to harm us. Faith is essential and an essential weapon against these flaming arrows of temptation. Maybe it's a flaming arrow of doubt. Maybe it's a flaming arrow of fear. And on and on and on it goes. Our unwavering belief in God's word protects us completely from these harms. Where there is no faith, you're in trouble. But where there is faith, Christian, there is nothing to fear. And what is faith? Hebrews 11.1, right? Defines it for us. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. You're simply trusting God's word no matter what things look like. No matter how hard things get. It is believing what God has said. Listen, for no other reason that God has said it. How many times you guys heard that, that bumper sticker? Well, God said it. So, or something like that. Are you sure that's how it goes? Right? Right? Never mind. We'll move on. (laughs) It is simply believing what God has said for no other reason than he has said it. Right? It is taking God in his word. It's, listen, accepting his teaching. Listen, obeying his commands. Heeding his warnings and laying hold of his promise. Where there is faith in God, defeat is unknown. Why? Because the Christian soldier who has it, listen, you are never floored by anything. Faith in God and his word makes us invincible. That's what this shield is. It's not just a shield, it's a shield of faith, which is what? Trusting God and what he says about life, about everything, certainly even about how to handle spiritual warfare, right? So that's what he defines for us, okay? But this is the problem, right? Uh, This is basically, I'll use these words, this is basically God's fire insurance protection plan, right? Now, how many guys, if you're going to get some insurance, that you would think, man, the best top-notch insurance that's going to be guaranteed to work every single time, that's always going to come through every single time, it's from God. If God sold fire insurance, would you buy it? Yeah, right? But guess what? You don't have to buy this. God gave it to you. This basically is God's fire insurance, right? Spiritually is what's going on here. Now, that's the problem, right? We say that's great. We say that's the most valuable. We say that's the most important. And we'll talk about insurance. The problem is, guess what? We're focused on all the wrong kinds of insurance. Basically, the shield of faith is God's spiritual insurance package. But see, we're, we're focused on all kinds of insurance. It's just the wrong kind. Every single day, watch TV, they drill through your head. Have you got fire insurance? You live in Las Vegas. You're in the middle of nowhere. But what if a flood came? 
That's right. What if an alien landed on your house? Do you have coverage for that? Do you have insurance? And, and seriously, it's, it's home insurance. It's car insurance. It's, it's, it's life insurance. Right? It, what, it, you, uh, home protection plans. I got to have a smoke alarm. I got to have a fire alarm. I got to have an escape plan. If I don't have an escape plan, I don't love my kids. I've got to have an elbow. We focus and we have joy. You've got to have protection. You've got to have protection now. You've got to pay for this. You're going to die. The world's going to blow. If you don't have your home protection, you don't care about nobody. How could you? Every day we have that drilled in our heads. Now listen, I did the stats. In some areas of our country, some people in some states spend up to close to 20%, it was 18%, of their annual income just on various forms of insurance. Almost one-fifth of what you make goes to, I gotta have this insurance. Now, I'm not saying go out and cancel all your insurance plans. But what I'm saying is that's what our focus is. We talk about insurance. We talk about some sort of protection plan. That's what we're focused on. Listen, the natural. But listen, this is what we're missing. God is basically saying, Christian, I've given you spiritual fire insurance. And it works every single time. And so you need to switch your focus. Yeah, take care of that. But how much more importantly do you need to protect your walk with Jesus Christ? That's what the shield does. That's what God is saying. No wonder, in my notes, we've turned into burnt, crispy critter Christians. <laughs> right? We walk around, right? Oh, I'm on fire. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I'm every day. Oh, put the shield up. Where's your fire insurance plan? God's giving it to you. I don't know. And God's watching this whole thing. We got to get our insurance focus back on the spiritual things, okay? We've left ourselves vulnerable. We're not prepared for spiritual battle. We, we're not ready to go for emergencies. And we wonder why we're walking around spiritually on fire all the time. Now, can I tell you something? God is saying, Christian, you don't have to live like that anymore. You understand what he's given to us. You don't have to live like that. Every day when you get out of bed, it doesn't have to be that kind of a torment. And I'm serious. Every day when you get out of bed, it's just like, ah, it's just, it never stops the temptations in my mind. I, I can't even concentrate on God's word. It's just, I, just, I can't even go an hour. I just got out of my house, and here it comes. I'm bombarded, and all day long, I'm on fire. It's just, it's just the whole week. It's not stopping. Then I wake up, and it's the next week. And I have, you don't have to live that way. Now, the errors will still come. But if that's you, that's a sign. You're focused on the wrong kind of insurance. God's given you an insurance plan that'll put how many? All of the, it won't stop the arrows, but it'll put every single one out. And you could stand exactly firm in Christ. That's what this shield of faith is. It protects the whole body. It's great news. Now, the second thing that we're going to see is it can only be taken up by me. Okay, now this is consistent. Every single one of these things is the, the same thing, right? The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the last time with the shoes of peace, it's the same thing when it comes to the shield of faith. I am the only one who could do this for me. You're the only one who could do this for you. I can't, you can't hire somebody to follow around all day long. That would be nice, but that's a sign of surefire laziness, right? But you can't hire somebody. Oh, here it comes. Oh, hey, grab that. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. Would you get over here? I'm on fire. Ah! I'm paying you good money for this. You can't do that. You can't hire somebody to do that. He's saying it could be only taken up by me. Now, here's what's cool. He really drills this part home, right? It's the Greek phrase there. The phrase there, take up, right? Take up. It's the Greek word analambano, and it means to take up, to lift up in order to use. Not stare at, 
Not think about, hey, did you guys, were you there that sermon today? We were talking about that shield. That sounds like a really neat thing. I think one of these days I should try it. Use it. You use it. Don't look at it. Right? Don't get lost in the symbolism. I just, I just take up the shield of faith. And you don't even know what it means. Use it. Right? It's in the active voice in the Greek. It means literally, listen, each believer has to make the choice to do it. To carry it. To cause it to go up. To take it up. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. You have to list this shield of faith. Listen, in the midst of battle. I can't do it for you. You can't wait for another soldier to come alongside and cover you too. He's got his own fire he's dealing with. You can't wait for the heavy artillery to show up and take the enemy out. You can't send out a radio distress call. You have to do it. Break it down. You have to place your faith, Christian, individually in the Word of God, in the midst of the temptation, in the midst of the flaming doubt, in the midst of the fear that started going through your head. You have to take up what? God's Word. And say, no. This is what God says. That's what it means to take it up. I can't do it for you. I can encourage you. We can encourage each other. But I'm not always there when the arrows come flying your way. Does it make sense? It's common sense. But you have to do it. You can't wait, right? Now, talk about nonstop. Listen to this historical account of how many arrows in one skirmish was in this Roman soldier's uh, a shield. Listen to this. Soldiers often fought side by side with a solid wall. It was called the testudo. That was that one where they're in the front and the top. You ain't getting through that thing, right? Like a little turtle, right? Nothing's getting through that shell. But they did that. But even a single-handed Roman soldier would find himself sufficiently protected. Remember, because how huge this thing was. Size of a door. But listen, after one particular siege, historical accounts record a soldier, one Roman soldier counted no less than 220 darts sticking out of his shield. And guess what? He lived. Now, what does that tell you? This is the analogy Paul's using here. Yes, yeah, just once in a while. Maybe every six months or so. Whew. Oh, hey, a flaming arrow came my way. No, 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 no. Hey, it's only once a day. Only one time a day. Am I ever going to have to worry about putting up this shield? You know, shield's me old. I'll just blow. Oh, here you go. You don't blow it away. But what's he saying here? And we know this is true. How many times does the enemy come at you every day? Have you ever paid attention to your thought life? 220 easy? That wasn't uncommon. When they shot these arrows, man, they shot them nonstop. And listen, he could have stopped at 219, but if he wasn't paying attention, what would happen? All it takes is one to bring you down in flames. Now that'll preach. Christian, we have to be persistent. The enemy is going to come at you a multitude of times a day. And each believer, Paul is saying, must choose to believe in God's word, his goodness, no matter what happens, including spiritual warfare, when, not if, the arrows start coming your way. And I mean a bunch of them. If he throws 50 of those thoughts in your head a day, guess what? 50 times. I can't do it for you. You take up the shield of faith and extinguish how many? Every single one of them, right? If he comes at you and he shoots at you 50 times in an hour, what do you do? You, I can't do it for you. You've got to take up the shield. No, this is what God says and extinguish that arrow. I can't do it for you. But again, that's the good news. If you pay attention here, if you're on the, what's, what's the scripture say? Be prayerful, be watchful, always be alert. For what? Because he's coming after you. 
Here's coming the arrow. Don't think, well, hey, man, he's got to be done by now. He's already hit me 47 times. He's probably just getting started. You can't let your shield down. You've got to use it. Don't let it down. Don't goof off. Because again, the Adrian Rogers, you guys remember him? Yeah. Now, supposedly this came from him. But he said, basically, the enemy is so cunning, so wicked, so evil. He'll work at you, tempting you, setting you up for 40 years just to make you fall down the road. The enemy is going to come at you. He's going to come at you 220 times. But he ain't done. He'll just keep it doing. Next day you get up, he's going to keep doing it. Why? Because he's just looking for that one time. That one time when you were goofing off. That one time when you weren't paying attention. Because it just takes one flaming arrow to mess up your walk with Christ. That's why, I don't have time to get into this. This is why he says, uh, flaming arrows against the who? What's the word that he used there? He didn't say devil, diabolos. What did he say there? The evil one. We've talked about this before. Evil one is paneros. Paneros. There's two Greek words for evil. Kakos and paneros. Kakos, again, I'll give you the scenario. Yeah, that's bad. That was evil. That was the guy that went into 7-Eleven. He held up at gunpoint. There were some people in the store. Cops surrounded the building. There was no way of out. They said, give it up. He gave it up because there was no way of escape. That was bad. That's kakas. Paneros. And that's the word that's used here and of the devil. It's the exact same scenario. He's in the 7-Eleven, right? He's got the gun at the, the cash register and there's, there's in the face and, and then there's people still in the store and cops come around. Hey, give it up, give it up. We're totally surrounded. There's no way of escape. What's this guy do? He's not kakas. He's paneros. He starts shooting as many people as he can. That's who we're dealing with here. That's the word that Paul uses. Do you understand? He's not going to make it easy. Oh, guess I better give up. Man, today's, oh, I shot at him 220 times. And 220 times, I just, I quit. I'll start over tomorrow. And that's how he walks, in case you're wondering. <laughs> now he's not going to stop. He's Poderos. He's the evil one. He's going to go on and on. He never stops. That's what Paul says. Here's the great news. This thing's the size of a door. It's full body protection. It'll get rid of every single arrow, but you got to do it. I can't do it for you. And so if you're walking around in flames, what's it a sign of? You're goofing off. You're not paying attention. You're not putting the shield up. Just get the shield back up, okay? Next thing you know, you're on fire. You're, you're spiritually toast. It's either you don't have the shield up or you're wearing out. You're goofing off, bang, and all of a sudden you're on fire. So again, how do you know when somebody has their shield down? I want to do an acid test. I'm going to break it down. Well, certainly sin. There's a lot of sin. That's a sign, Right? But sometimes it's our attitude. Sometimes it's our behavior that gives it away. Let me expose that. One guy said there was this a guy named Thomas, and he decided to become a monk and join this monastery, and he took this vow of silence. And the only exception to the vow was that once every 10 years, the monks were allowed to make one statement, then the silence must resume for another decade. Well, after his first 10 years in the monastery, he was called into the superior's office there, and they said, Brother Thomas, do you have anything to say? It's been 10 years. And Thomas replied, yeah, the food is bad. And he went back to his duties. A whole decade passed, right? And again, Thomas was uh, summoned to the study to his superiors, and they said, Brother Thomas, do you have anything to say? It's been another 10 years. And Thomas replied, yeah, the bed is hard. And then he returned to his chores. Another decade passed. And again, Thomas was called in before the superiors. And they said, Brother Thomas, do you have anything to say? And Thomas says, yeah, I quit. <laughs> to which the superiors replied, we're not surprised. You've done nothing but complain ever since you got here. <laughs> Here's the point. He said, listen, friend, there is no more clear indicator 
to indicate that we have succumbed to the schemes of the devil. Listen. Oh, well, they're down at the bar. They're on fire. They've got their shield down. Oh, look, they got involved in immorality. Hey, their shield's down. They're on fire. Listen. Here's a sign your shield is down. He says, when we complain and whine about our lot in life, you're on fire. He says, again and again, the word of God shows us that the mark of a Christian who has learned how to be a Christian, a strong Christian, who's standing in God's armor, a mature Christian is one that rejoices in everything and gives thanks in all things. Now, this does not mean that God expects us to enjoy everything that happens in our lives. It doesn't mean that we should merely pretend to rejoice. He says, no, there's nothing more ghastly than a face, fake forced smile that people put on because they assume that's what a Christian's supposed to do. No. Rather, the truth of the scripture is it is genuinely possible to rejoice even in the midst of our tears, even in the midst of our pain, if you just raise the shield of faith. Why? Because the shield of faith is what? It's trusting in God's word, not just for spiritual warfare, but what? About your life. About the things that you say, oh, that, that can't be right. God must have made a mistake. No, he didn't. And then you start to whine and complain. A sure sign to indicate you got the shield down as a person who's whining, complaining, a self-pitying attitude towards what happens to him. This, he says, is where the devil will attack. He may not get you to go down in immorality. He may not get you to go down to the bar. He'll get you here, though. You're on fire. He gets us to think, here comes the arrow. That something unusual is happening to us. Like we're the only ones suffering. What's the scripture say? Don't act like it's a strange thing, Christian. Our brothers around the world are going the same thing. How many times have we seen that verse? And, and then, whoosh, there goes the arrow. Or, or here's an arrow. No one has ever gone through what I'm going through. Phew, throws the flaming arrow. No one had to undergo what I'm dealing with and, and the depression, the spirit I feel. Phew. And the Bible says, no temptation sees you except what's common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's given us his armor, the shield. Raise the shield. So stop whining, he says, and complain about what happens. Whining and complaining is simply, listen, distrusting God and his word in action. Which is what? The opposite of faith. Right? He said, this is a sign that you have no faith and your shield is down. Instead of being fretful, peevish, and having a whiny attitude, let's do what the word of God says when these things occur. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. There is no other way to handle the devil's attacks. There is no other solution to these basic human problems. You've got to put the faith of shield up. You gotta do it, I can't do it for you. And God says when you do that, because he's gonna come zinging at your brain. Oh, this ain't right. You better put that shield up. Yes, it is. God says this. He doesn't make mistakes. Nobody, everybody's going through this. I'm not the only one. I think you put it up. You pay attention to your thought life because that's where he's zinging the arrows. And if you're whining and complaining, yes, full of sin, those are all signs that you are being planned. Now, how many guys are into uh, uh, Star Trek? All four of you. You guys are a little nervous, right? How many of you guys are into Star Wars? Right? This is how church splits happen right now. Because <laughs> then I'm going to ask, who's better? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, but at least a lot of you guys are Trekkies or Star Wars fans, okay? But listen, this is kind of, I'm going to give you another visual, right? 
and I'll show you how kind of goofy it is, right, when we don't do what God says to do, right? Now, in the, in the space themes, right, you got the Klingons in Star Trek. Klingons are coming against you, right? And you got Captain Kirk. What's he do? Oh, no, we're helpless. I have nothing to do. What's he do? When, right, shields up. Have you noticed that? Man, I'd like to have one of those on my car, especially with Vegas, right? Right, and boom, boom, all bound, nothing bound, nothing can penetrate. Why? Because shields are up. Here comes the missiles. Shields up. Common sense, they do it all the time. Same thing with Star Wars, right? Here they come, right? And they're getting in the front shields, back shields, whatever shields, whatever, right? When somebody's shooting a missile at you, a bomb, a photon blaster, right? What do you do? Shields up. And what happens every single time? They just fizzle, boom, boom, whatever that noise is, right? That's what God's saying here spiritually. He, he said, I often wonder, can you imagine he's given us something that works every single time? He said it, I didn't, right? All the arrows need one. And so he's just saying, okay, when you see, you're going to get arrows, just, just like those nasty Klingons. They're going to come at you, right? They're going to shoot missiles at you. Don't be afraid. Stand there and just give the order. Take up, shields up, and have a great day. But we don't do that. We don't do that. You, not only do we whine and complain about it, oh, all we ever want to do is, is talk about it when the answer is there the whole time, right? Instead of saying, you know, man, I just, this, I'm, I'm on fire. I, I just, I really want to get rid of this. And, and it's like, well, put the shield up. Oh, no, no, you don't understand how big my fire is, right? No, just put the shield up. No, no, see, you don't understand I just how I feel about this. The, these flames are getting hot, and I just, I wish I could get them out. Put the shield up. I wonder if God is looking down at this behavior, and he feels like this guy. L let's take a look. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and... I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop over... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't! <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Now, I know secretly there's some of you men out there saying, Pastor Billy, I can now die in peace. That video <laughs> has really nailed it for me. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, 
but men, don't get too excited or you're going to have a mark on your head on the way home. So, but, uh, but anyway, seriously, that's not my point. My point is not a marital thing and all that stuff. I, sh- I looked at that. That came through my mind again. I was going through the notes this week. I'm going, is that how God looks at us? <laughs> I mean, think about it, right? I mean, is that how he feels, if you will? He's looking down upon us. He's given us everything we need. And, and, and instead of just taking the nail out of the head or, or getting rid of the extinguishing the flaming arrow, we just, we whine about it. <laughs> I can't believe I got arrows sticking out of me. I just don't want to. God, please help me. I'm on fire. Oh, yeah, they keep coming again. God, oh, today they're all, God, my whole back's on fire. Oh. And he's got to be sitting there going, would you put the shield up? <laughs> no, but you don't understand how I feel about these flames. Would you put the shield up? No, but God, you don't understand. I'm exhausted with all these arrows. I'm on fire. It just never stops. I bet you if you put the shield up, it would take care of that. I wonder if that's how God feels. Because listen, that's the good news, right? He said what? You do that? Oh. Listen, you don't have to live like that, Christian. Not nails in your head, but arrows sticking out of your body all over the place on fire. God has not left us hanging high and dry. Real quick, though, he says it's not just, here's the key phrase. I think we'll finally get, man, I better get, I'm, I'm tired of being on fire. I, I, I need to put that shield up. We're not doing what the Roman soldier did. This is where I said we missed this point big time. We're not dipping the shield in the water. Remember? It was flame retardant because, yes, it was made of leather, but it was dipped in the water. What's Paul talking about? I think he's talking about dipping that shield into God's word every day. You see this Ephesians chapter 5, 25 through 26. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the what? The water through the word, right? And then it's not just the shield, it's the shield of what? Shield of faith. Romans 10, 17 says, so then by faith cometh by hearing, and hearing what? Hearing the word of God. The Bible says that our shield has to be dipped in the water of God's word. Why? Because it's the shield of faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's how we keep the shield wet. Because if you're not in the word of God, which was the first piece, you'll wonder why Paul started with that. Because every single piece from then on is hinged on God's word. But Christian, how many times are we still not in God's word? And I'll say it again. I've already preached on it. Did you get up this day, Christian, and were you, the first thing you did is you spent time with Jesus Christ long before you got here and you cracked open his word, did you put the belt on? then guess what? You're walking around like a fool with your pants on the ground. Remember that? (laughs) But listen, because you didn't do that, the rest of the pieces get messed up. Maybe you didn't put the belt on, but now you're trying to use the shield, but it's not flame retardant. You haven't dipped it in God's word because you got nothing to work with. You don't just put the shield up. You put the shield of faith in God's word up. But if you don't know God's word, you got nothing to counter. It's like putting up instead of that dipped leather shield up to extinguish all the arrows, you're putting up a piece of cardboard. So not only you're on fire, but now your shield's on fire. What keeps it wet? The Word of God. But you're not in the Word of God. I've said it before, I'll, I'll say it again. I says, man, some Christians' Bibles are so dusty you could write the word damnation on it. And if all the Christians around the world would blow the dust off their Bibles at the same time, we'd have the biggest dust storm in history. No wonder we're walking around in flames, crackly, crusty, crispy, critter Christians. 
We finally get around and say, man, I'm sick and tired of being on fire. I'm the only one that can take this up. God's given this to me so I don't have to live with nails or arrows sticking out of my head. I put it up and poof. There's no water on it. And then you get all disgruntled. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I knew I shouldn't. Hey, excuse me? It works every single time. But you're not dipping it in the water. You're not dipping it in the word. Do you see what Paul is saying here? This is why Paul says, in addition to all this, the Greek doesn't mean this shield is more important than the other pieces, okay? If translations allude to that, that's not what he's saying, right? He's saying, besides all these, with all these, meaning you've got to have this shield, you've got to have it wet, you've got to have it ready to go to use it with the rest of the armor, including the belt, right? And so in closing, I want us to see what does this thing look like in action, dipped in God's word, so that none of us Miss this. This is what I believe is the shield of faith in action. This is putting our faith in God's word, listen, and obeying what it says. It's not just quoting. It's obeying what it says. Boom! Puts the flame out every single time. You don't just have it dipped. You don't just know God's word. You don't just quote God's word and counteract of what the enemy's saying. You obey God's word. Fizzle, fizzle. Let me give you three examples real quick and we'll close. Right? For instance, maybe... It's always a random thing. You're having a great day in Jesus, and all of a sudden, man, stuff starts going through your brain, right? And here comes foom, foom, flaming arrows. Maybe it's just some illicit sexual images or something. What do you do? Oh, I'm on fire. I don't know what to do. Oh, here it comes again. No. What do they say on Star Trek? Shields up. Right? Here comes the arrow. Shields up. What do you do? I put my faith in God's word and I do what it says. All right? I've got it dipped in his word. I know what he says to do in this situation, in this temptation. Psalm 101 verse 3. David speaking, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Bang. I do it. I quote it. I put it up. It's dipped in the word. And have a great day. It'll go away. It's not just quoting it. It's obeying it. I was said, no wicked thing before my eyes. Turn away, walk away. Get that thing out of your brain. Fills us out. Maybe you're, you're just uh, trying to chill out. You're watching TV or something. Unfortunately, guess what happens all the time? Some sort of immoral content comes on TV. What do you do? Oh, I am doomed. I have no resources to counteract this. I am stuck here for the next four hours. On fire. I don't know what to do. Are you kidding me? What do they say? Raise the shields. Right? Turn to say, I'm getting to that. You're messing up my sermon with no pressure. <laughs> but you get there. Right? You raise the shields. What? I've got it dipped in God's word. I know exactly how to counteract this one because I've got it dipped in God's word. Right? And I quote it and I do what it says. Jesus, Matthew 6, 22 through 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body's full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Right? You don't just quote it. You... Turn it off. You obey what it says, right? You shut it off, and guess what? The flame goes away. Notice the procedure here is I knew what to do. It wasn't just putting the shield up. It's the shield of faith, but I knew what scripture to counteract that with and obey that scripture because what? Every day I'm dipping my shield. You don't dip it. You don't know how to counteract, and you're on fire. You have to do it all, all the armor of God, not some of it. Let me give you one more. Maybe you're simply just driving down the road, right? Especially here in Vegas, unfortunately. There's some billboard. Blah. What do you do? I guess I'm doomed to stare at that thing. I have no re Are you kidding me? What do you do? Shields up. 
right? Bring up God's word and do what it says. God will tell you exactly what to do in that instance. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 and 20. What? Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Therefore, honor God with your body. Guess what? Turn your head, flame goes out. If he does it 220 times a day, what do you do? 220 times a day. Shields up. I got my, dipped in God's word. I know exactly how to counteract this one. Bring it on. And Paul says every single one goes away. Do you see what he's talking about here? I tried to break it down as practical as I can. The shield of faith will extinguish all of the arrows of the evil one. But it's not just the shield. It's a shield of faith in God's word, but you got to dip that shield in his word to be able to counteract it and extinguish it. You got it? I'll close with this. One guy, he puts it this way. He talks about this. He says that when Satan fires his flaming arrows, you need an invincible shield. Amen? He says, well, here's the good news. You don't only get one that's, that's, uh, it, it, that isn't flammable. You get one that puts out fires every single time. And faith is that shield, and God promises that shield for every single Christian. It can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. This is not a possibility. God says it is a certainty. Listen, and why is that shield so faithful? Why is that shield so strong? Because God is faithful and God is strong. And when our faith is in him and his word, he becomes our shield and you can't lose because God never loses. So raise your shield of faith, Christian. Put your faith in God. Reject all the insidious lies that burst in the flames into your mind and trust in Christ. Trust him wholly. Trust him always. Trust him more and more. Go to him today and enjoy his victory. And when the enemy comes, raise your shield and have a great day. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. Are you sure that if you were to die today that you go to heaven and not hell? Now, before you answer that, let me uh, share with you a couple things that the Bible says. The Bible says that God is holy and that we are not. And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. We don't deserve to go to heaven when we die. We deserve to go down. We deserve to go to hell. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this problem that we have, that we're separated from God not only now, but we're going to be separated from Him for all eternity in a place called hell. We, we, we don't even want to admit that. So once again, out of love, God gives us what's called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were God's x-ray, if you will, divine x-ray to, to get us to admit the problem that we have inside that's separating us from Him. Let, let, let's take a look at a few of those of God's divine x-ray. For instance, if you think that you're worthy on your own, you don't need a Savior, uh, you're going to get to heaven all by yourself, then let's take a look at God's test there. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments. The ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. Uh, how many of you have ever told a lie before? Raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, you just told one. But folks, we've all done that. That makes us a liar. The Ten Commandments, God's x-ray, showing us that we have sin that's separating us from Him. We're not holy and perfect like Him. The Fifth Commandment says this, you shall not steal. Don't ever once take anything without permission. How many of you have ever done that? Well, if we're not going to tell another lie, we, we should all admit that as well. Well, that makes us a thief now. The Bible says that God is so holy, uh, even His name is holy. And that's why the Ten Commandments says, You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And if we're honest again, folks, hey, a lot of us, how many of us have used the blessed name of Jesus Christ? The only name, the Bible says, under heaven that men might be saved. 
We've now turned it into a common cuss word, if you can believe that. The Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. The Bible also says, hey, show, you want to show God you're so perfect, you have no sin? Then don't ever once commit adultery. And you might say, well, I, I've never done that, really? Jesus lays the standard before us. God looks at the heart. Man looks on the outside. Jesus said, if you ever looked with lust in your eye at another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. That's His holy standard. One more. The Bible says, okay, you think you're so good? Uh, then don't ever once commit murder. You shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I, at least I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible again says that the sin of hatred, wishing someone was uh, dead, is akin to the sin of murder. It's just, if you will, you pull the trigger in your heart. So, so, so how are you doing? That's just 5 out of 10 of God's divine x-ray, by the way, uh, showing us the problem. How are you doing? Not if, but when your time comes, we're all going to stand before God. You'll be forced to admit what He already knows. Hey, God, let me in. Let me in. I'm a, I'm a liar. I'm a, I'm a thief. I'm a, a blasphemer, an adulterer, and a murderer. And the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You're not headed to heaven. In that state, you're headed to hell. But here's the good news. God said if we would just admit this, number one, then he could fix it. And it gets fixed only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth, and nobody comes to the Father but by me. Why? Because only Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. And Jesus died on the cross. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be set free. And since we weren't there, and since it's a gift and we can't earn it, we have to receive that wonderful gift by faith. And the Bible says God will pardon us for our crimes, our sins, against Him. And you can actually see this analogy working uh, in the natural, in the normal world. Uh, we see this actually uh, in the courtroom. For instance, if a person is guilty and, and everybody knows they're guilty, they've committed a horrible crime and, and, and the, the sentence has passed, the judge has knocked down the gavel and says, hey, uh, you are going to jail, you are going to the death penalty for that crime. And, and we know that people, that happens all the time and they go to jail, but believe it or not, did you know there's a way for that person, even though they're guilty, to actually be set free from that crime? It's called a pardon. And the one in authority, the governor, has the part out of mercy, out of goodness, certainly nothing that that person did in jail. They can't undo the crime. It's too late. But out of mercy, the governor could go down there and grant that person in jail a full pardon for their crimes. And by receiving that pardon, the doors come open and they are set free and they're rescued from the death penalty. Folks, that's what God is doing every single day with us spiritually. He has allowed His Son, Jesus Christ, to take the death penalty in our place. He's pardoned us, but a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it. And it's actually been on historical record that there have been people on death row who a governor has gone down out of mercy and extended to them a full pardon, but they've rejected it. And by their own doing, they went to the death penalty. Folks, don't make that same mistake for all eternity. God loves you. He's willing to forgive you of anything and everything you've ever done. All of it. Even the sins we don't even know about. He wants to pardon you and forgive you, but you must receive that by faith today. The Bible says if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call upon His name, ask Him to forgive you of all your sins, believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Please do that now. 
please do that today because tomorrow may be too late. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Get a Life Ministries. Again, thank you for joining us. If there's anything that you need, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to contact us. Our information and number and uh, things will uh, pop up here on the screen here shortly. And remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.